You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a midweek edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Another show full of information for you with all the news, notes, and updates from University of Utah Athletics. A lot to talk about today is we're going to remember Jim Fossil, the recently passed uh, former head coach at the University of Utah. We'll talk about his impact on the football team, the program itself, and uh, memorialize the loss of, of one of Utah football's great uh, individuals. We'll also talk about the most important recruit during the Jim Fossil era and why it might not be a name that you'd expect. Also, a big announcement in terms of hiring for the Utah baseball program. We'll discuss that with you as well. All coming up next here on the Locked On Utes podcast. This is the midweek edition here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in, for subscribing, for following, for rating, for reviewing to the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where we try to remind you that every day is a great day to be a Ute. Some days are better than others, as former Ute Jimmy Soto likes to say. Thank you for joining me today, my Utah friends and family, wherever you are, however you are. I hope you are well. It, uh, we're slowing things down a little bit, uh, working through the off-season content. It has some really cool stuff in terms of the Pac-12 10-pack. Thank you to everyone who made suggestions for that. We'll start rolling these episodes out ASAP. Going to have some fun interviews and some uh, production to go along with that. So good things coming ahead. But also some news, uh, sad news to discuss as the University of Utah uh, mourns the loss of Jim Fossil. Uh, Jim Fossil was the head coach of the University of Utah football program from 1985 to 1989. Uh, he had previously coached the quarterbacks and receivers at the U of U in 1976. His career as a head coach included seven seasons leading the NFL's New York Giants, uh, during which time he won the NFL Coach of the Year in 1997. Mark Harlan, athletic director, had the following to say, We express our deepest sympathies to the family of Jim Fossil. Coach Fossil played a significant role in the proud history of the Utah football program and mentored some of the program's most prolific offensive performers. His legacy will always be remembered here at Utah. Uh, and there's no more accurate statement than most prolific offensive performers uh, under his tutelage. Fossil, I think probably the one that stands out the most in everyone's mind was Scott Mitchell, who uh, amassed 8,981 career passing yards. Uh, he also had Eddie Johnson, whose all-time career rushing record stood for 31 years until it was broken by Zach Moss in 2019. That was 3,219 yards rushing. Uh, at the end of his tenure at the University of Utah, two of his former players held the top two positions in career reception and yards with tight end Dennis Smith, uh, ranking first in receptions and second in yards. And Carl Harry, former sophomore wide receiver coach of your very own Brian Brown, uh, ranking first in receiving yards with 2,283 and second in receptions with 149. Carl Harry, I think, is one of those 
players that we rarely discuss when we talk about some of the greatest in Utah history. But uh, Coach Harry, as he's known to me, uh, taught me a ton of great life lessons. Man, one of the best out there just as human beings, but also a great wide receiver. Uh, Dennis Smith, another one that people from that era remember very fondly for everything that he was able to do. Um, So a a really prolific era under Coach Fossil. I just got to say this real quick. Coach Harry's the one who taught me how to sprinkle a little sugar. So if you're ever out there on the field and you've got a defender breaking down on you, that's when it's time to sprinkle a little sugar. The one time I tried to do that, he told me never do it again uh, until I practice more. So uh, thank you, Coach, for teaching that one. So if you're out there and life's defenders are trying to tackle you, just sprinkle a little sugar in your day. That's all you got to do. Um, but continuing on around... The topic of Coach Jim Fossil. He won his first five games as the head coach at Utah, finished the 85 season with a record of 8 and 4. It was the best of his five seasons at the helm. Uh, his overall record, 25 and 33, probably not super indicative of his impact on the program overall. I think if you look at his tenure there at the University of Utah, it was up and down, but very prolific offensively. The Utes were playing in the whack at that point in time, and it was all offense, all gas, no breaks as the kids in the neighborhood like to tell me these days. And I think he was uh, – the biggest part about Fossil is that he really embedded himself in the community. Uh, he actually lived down the street from my parents growing up, uh, was very cordial with them. I didn't get a chance to interact with him very much because I was six. So um, – but <laughs> – um, you know, Kyle Whittingham said in his statement that Jim Fossil was a staple in the football community. We are privileged to have him as part of our Utah football family and are saddened to learn of his passing. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends at this time. I'd gotten a chance to talk to Coach Fossil a little bit uh, when he was here as the University of Utah inducted um, or uh, at the coaches conference a few years back. And he and George Seifert both spoke and it was really entertaining and fun and he was just an absolutely engaging and charming guy wasn't you know wasn't hesitant to talk to anyone and would talk to everybody there the line was you know out the door to talk to him as well and you know as an individual uh had a very long uh, you know spanning career uh across a multitude of leagues you know he was a native of Anaheim California he was an offense coordinator at Weaver State in 1977-78 uh following his one year as the Utah wide receivers coach then moved on to Stanford where he coached and mentored uh John Elway Hall of Fame quarterback I hope you have all heard of that I know that there's at least one Denver Broncos fan out there that knows that name hi Avery uh Went on to serve as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the New York Giants from 91 to 92 after his stint at the University of Utah. Offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, 93-94. Quarterbacks coach for the Oakland Raiders, 95. Offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals in 96 before becoming the Giants head coach. Uh, Following that time with the Giants, he joined the Baltimore Ravens organization as a senior offensive consultant, kind of pioneered that position in a lot of ways. Uh, Up until that point, there hadn't been a lot of uh, consultant slash assistant positions. It was mostly just coaches that were on the field. Um, If you ever want to read a really interesting book, I believe it's Next Man Up by John Feinstein. Um, Talks a lot about that season that he was the mentor. with the Baltimore Ravens and and a lot of good comments from him. So a book that's worth checking out if you've never read it before. Also a very interesting era with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, So just a little 
book club note for you. But overall, a sad, uh, sad situation. And personally, I send my condolences out to the family, obviously, and everybody who knew Coach and, and had an opportunity to work with him. It's uh, it's it's a major loss. Uh, I think Fossil was a great representative of the university. I know that he enjoyed his time here at the University of Utah uh, quite immensely, and I know that the family had actually enjoyed the time here at Utah as well. Uh, his son, both sons, John and Mike Fossil, have had fairly successful uh, experiences in in coaching. John obviously um, has done pretty well in the NFL. Uh, um, currently, I would believe with the Dallas Cowboys as a special teams coordinator, but it has had a lot of um, success and notoriety for some of his uh, you know plays. I believe he was the one that came up with the uh, the fake uh, the fake fair catch punt return, if I'm not mistaken, while he was in St. Louis at that point in time. Uh, Mike Fossil also. Um, who at one point in time had worked at Snow College, is now at Dixie State University. Um, there is the director of football operations. He's also a special teams coach. He's been with uh, Paul Peterson for a while now. Uh, another guy that I've had the opportunity to interact with, and just this is a football family to the core, some of the nicest, most interactive uh, people that you'll ever meet. Really, really fun to talk football with and, and stories galore, and I think that was – Really, one aspect of of uh, Coach Fossil that was so much fun is he had so many good stories and and he was a very charismatic guy as I had already mentioned and I think in a lot of respects he was the catalyst for the turnaround with the University of Utah football program up until that time it had just been completely dominated both by rival BYU and and for the most part just in general uh, he took over for Chuck Stobart who uh, not a great success story uh, before that Wayne Howard, one of the better uh, coaches at the University of Utah. Uh, it's an interesting exercise to go back through because the University of Utah actually does have a fairly proud history in terms of production on the football field outside of the Kyle Whittingham, Urban Meyer, Ron McBride era. Fossil, uh, I think, was the catalyst to trying to turn things around. Is Wayne Howard had done a really good job up until 1981, 50% uh, win percentage. And then Stobart came in for four, three seasons, and, and things digressed. Fossil came in, had a really great first year, and things kind of started to taper off towards the end. But I think in 1988, there was a really critical moment in terms of the rivalry and in terms of the football program where – Fossil and the Utes beat BYU 57-28. It was such a big deal at the time that people printed off shirts that said, I was there, Utah 57, BYU 28, and then it had the date on it underneath, uh, I believe. There might be one of those sweatshirts in my parents' house somewhere. Cannot confirm, but sources tell me that this is the case. And so you could argue that Fossil getting that win was a big part of changing the culture and the idea around the University of Utah because up until that point they had essentially been as much as I hate to say this Lavelle Edwards whipping boys and and Lavelle had done a great job he had really developed a lot of uh interesting innovative offensive sets and whatnot and and you can the list of guys who have come under his coaching tree is just so expansive especially offensive guys uh I, I don't know if we need to go through all of them Andy Reid, obviously Brian Billick, another one that's really popular. Mike Leach was there at one point in time, blah, blah, blah. So it was very critical, I think, that Fossil had gotten that win. But I think the more critical component about that we'll talk about here 
in the next segment, and that's a recruit that Fossil landed that really changed the landscape of things, but it's likely not the one that you think it is. But as long as we're talking about rebuilding things, it may be time for you to get to rebuilding your car a little bit. That's why we have Rock Auto as one of our show sponsors. There's so many different cars out there, makes, models, varieties, years, and each one of them seems to have a different part to fit whatever it is that you need. That's why you need to go to Rock Auto. You don't want to be digging through a book that's six feet tall with a million different listings. You just want to go to their webpage because they've been doing this for 20 years on the internet. It's a family-owned business. Uh, They do auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, name brands that you've heard of, some name brands that maybe you haven't heard of before. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks, deliver it directly to your door. That, to me, is the best part about it because you don't have to go to the auto parts store. You don't have to deal with the disgruntled gentleman behind the counter who looks down his glasses at you like you are some sort of peon because you have to bow down before his kingdom and you just get the parts delivered to your door. So when you're ready to do the job or when the parts get there, you're ready to go. And the best part about it is you can get all the parts you need right there on the website. It's very easy to navigate, very simple. You just enter in your vehicle information, click on the parts you need. It has them all listed, price, model, uh, make, whatever, or brand, whatever it is that you need. It's all in there. Same reliably low prices for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I don't know why you'd go spend more to go someplace else when you have rockauto.com. When you go there, make sure you enter in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Again, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that come in three different flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now, and it's convenient and discreet. Products can be joined anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Locked on College Network listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, all one word, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Coming back for another segment here on the Locked On Utes podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're talking about uh, Jim Fossil, his impact on the program at the University of Utah. And I don't think it's any uh, any secret that he was the guy before the guy in Ron McBride who really turned things around at the University of Utah. And there was no doubt that it was a difference in, in culture, a difference in uh, approaches. McBride came in with the idea that defense was going to be 
what they were going to hang their hat on. That was very, very different as everybody in the conference was trying to keep up with BYU at that point in time and throw the ball all over the field. Utah had done a pretty good job with that up to that point because Fossil had landed a really, really important recruit in Scott Mitchell. He was a Utah County kid, and Fossil had been able to pull him away from uh, the team down south and and brought him up to Utah, and, and Fossil had a really successful college career, enough so that he could get drafted and play several seasons in the NFL. So I think most people would obviously think that that's the most important recruit that he pulled during that era. Wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, except for the real most important recruit, in my opinion, was Brian Rowley. And Brian Rowley is is one of the greatest wide receivers in the history of the University of Utah football program. Rowley was a five foot ten inch, hundred and seventy five pound prospect out of Orem, Utah. Boy, doesn't that sound a little bit familiar? If you're uh, you know a fan of the current team, Utah pulling a smaller, more diminutive wide receiver prospect out of Utah County that really changed things around. Um, when he showed up on campus in 1989, he was nothing, you know, n- nothing to write home about in terms of national recruits or anything like that. But once he showed up on campus, it changed everything for the University of Utah, for the receiving uh, record books, and and for everything that he was able to do. He is still the career leader at the University of Utah in receiving yards with 3,143. He also has the season's single season record for yards with 1,011. He has the fourth most single game yardage with 200. Now, listen, I understand that total yards has become uh, an anachronistic, uh, archaic stat, anachronistic. I guess it depends on what you use it for. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, back in those days, 1991, 200 yards receiving was an absolute just bucket full of yards and uh he also led the Utes with the most uh receiving touchdowns for his career 25 he has uh fourth place for most touchdown receptions in a single season with the 11 uh Rowley was just he was transformative for the Utah game Utah passing game but in the sense that if Utah had not had Brian Rowley the improvements that they'd made on defense likely wouldn't have made an impact uh, they likely wouldn't have gotten a little-known JUCO quarterback by the name of Frank Dolce to come play at the University of Utah. Dolce was the one who led the Utes to their very first winning season of the Ron McBride era. The Dolce to Rowley combination led them to a seven and five record, four and four in the conference, and a fourth place finish. The following year, Rowley was injured, but the youth still managed to finish sixth and six and six overall after a loss in the Copper Bowl to Washington State and future NFL quarterback Drew Bledsoe. So, in my opinion, it was getting Brian Rowley on campus, getting him away from Utah County, getting him away from BYU. That really was the linchpin of Fossil's success. Uh, His decision to become a Ute was a sign of the change in the order of things. In many ways, he was a symbol of a turning tide of college football in the state of Utah. He was the godfather, a symbol of things to come, writes Dan Sorensen of UteZone.com in his profile of Brian Rowley from 2019. He mentions that Rowley grew up in the shadow of BYU. He was a quarterback and defensive back at Oren High School on a state championship winning team. He was headed to BYU until he randomly had bumped into Wayne McQuivy, who, if you're sensing a theme here, also a former coach of mine while I played at Highland High School. Shout out to Coach McQuivy. 
Uh, <laughs> I miss him. Uh, that's all we'll say. Uh, taught me a lot of good words. Maybe we'll say that too. So thank you for that, Coach. Um, but McQuivy kind of fell in love with Rowley, thought that he was just this incredible player. He goes up and, af- and talks to him and, and all of a sudden finds out that he hadn't been uh, – he wasn't committed to BYU and, and they didn't have – I don't believe that they offered him a scholarship at that point in in time. And so McCoy was all in. And he and Fossil uh, brought him in, brought him on campus, and, and, and sold him on getting him there. And as he got up to the University of Utah, um, you know, middle of his freshman season, he was a starter for the Utes, which back then was just unheard of. He averaged 16.1 yards per catch his first season when he was catching passes from Scott Mitchell in that offensive attack uh in his sophomore season obviously a coaching change was made as ron mcbride came in but that was also a benefit for roley as well he averaged an incredible 27.2 yards per catch as a sophomore and then of course uh francis uh don't call me uh dulce dolce made roley a star where he had over a thousand yards receiving 11 touchdowns which were just monster numbers um that junior season was probably uh, his coming out party, had he not broken his leg as a senior, um, he likely would have been drafted right then and there. Came back for one more year. Um, and at that point in time, Rowley had had held every single record, it felt like, in the history books uh, for the University of Utah. And, and was just, and for all these reasons, you know, as I go through this, I, I think that I've proven my point that Rowley was really the more critical component because what Rowley did is he gave Utah a legitimate offensive weapon. He gave Utah presence in Utah County. He gave Ron McBride and company a legitimate star from the state of Utah who was productive in their offense, who was trending towards being an NFL player, and he had a cup of coffee in the NFL. He didn't last. Uh, the injury kind of threw him off. Those were back in the days where they didn't you, – you did something like broke your leg, and that was that. Uh, but Roley, if you watch his highlights and everything like that, was very, very much that traditional shifty slot receiver that maybe would remind some folks of Britton Covey, just an absolutely electric player. As soon as he got his hands on the ball, you knew there was an opportunity for him to take it deep. But at that point in time, he had owned so many of the receiving records. Now, since then, some have uh, some have been taken over, some have not, obviously. But you know, especially now in the modern era, where so many more balls are being thrown and, and the passing game is so much more uh, active, it was really impressive to see Rowley do everything that he did. And the big reason was is that Jim Fossil brought him in. So, my opinion. Obviously, something that I'm more than willing to go back and forth with everyone on. If you have a different opinion on Twitter, I do understand why everybody would point at Scott Mitchell because he was very much the same. But I think really what was great about Rowley was the carryover to the Ron McBride era and what it allowed Ron McBride to do because they had such a great offensive threat. They could go after so many good defensive players and really improve the defense. It was the defense that really got Utah back in due position, back on the maps. And that's when things are uh you know really started to turn around and and obviously we, we know what happened after that after the Ron McBride era and continuing on to the Urban Meyer era and then Kyle Whittingham and here we are and the youths are in the conversation almost every single year to be a contender in the Pac-12 so 
just a little bit of background on the Jim Fossil era, on one of his more important recruits and Brian Rowley, and a little Utah football history for you as we remember one of the great faces of Utah football. It's become a habit for me. Before I start every show, I open up a Bill Bar. That little extra dose of protein is exactly what I'm looking for. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs. It's just the perfect snack for me when I need to pick me up, when I'm looking to curb a craving. Built Bars, you know that I love them. You know that I love every flavor. I cycle through a whole bunch of them. I'm on a big mint brownie kick right now. Uh, you've heard me talk about the Cherry Barcia is, is one of my favorites as well. The coconut and coconut almond, if that's your thing, they really do taste like an almond joy. The consistency is kind of like that of, uh, of a Mars candy bar. If you haven't tried one yet, then you know what to do. It's time to go to BuiltBar.com. You can go to BuiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order. Just use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off there at BuiltBar.com. Go today, go now, get your box of built bars, get your variety pack, try them out. Use that promo code again, locked15 for 15% off. It's the best deal you're going to find out there on the best tasting protein bar there is on the market at builtbar.com. Wrapping things up here on the midweek edition of the Locked On Utes podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Some breaking news this week as the University of Utah announced the hiring of Gary Anderson as the next Utah head baseball coach. Anderson was previously with the program uh, as the program's associate head coach. He's a seasoned veteran and one of the top pitching minds in the country. Has been with the program, uh, obviously, for the past two seasons under Bill Kinneberg. He's a guy who comes with a lot of coaching experience, 31 years at elite programs across the country, coached at the University of Florida, Oregon State, University of Kentucky, Mississippi State, prior to coming to Utah. Uh, in the announcement of the hiring, director, athletic director Mark Harlan said the following, it was extremely gratifying to have the high level of interest in this search. Coaches from prominent programs across the country were involved and spoken to. However, as we all analyzed the candidates, it became clear that we had someone very special on our coaching staff to have a coach of Gary Henderson's caliber and experience who also has such familiarity with the young men in our program makes him an ideal leader for the next era of Utah baseball. He has produced tremendous results both as a head coach and pitching coach with some of the premier programs in the most competitive conferences in the nation, along with recruiting and coaching many young men who have gone on to major league careers. In his two years as our associate head coach, he had demonstrated all the qualities that translate to success, and I'm thrilled that he is the new head coach for our program. Uh, mentioned that Henderson joined the program two years previous. Uh, he said, it, the last two years have been wonderful to immerse myself into the Utah Athletics family. It has been a joy to develop relationships with our student-athletes, and I am excited for the opportunity to continue to help them reach their academic, athletic, and personal goals. This community, campus, and city make the University of Utah one of the best places to be in collegiate athletics. I can't thank Mark Harlan, Charmel Green, and Steve Smith enough for the opportunity to leave this program. He takes over, obviously, for Kinneberg, who had been at the University of Utah uh, for 18 years. Kinneberg leading the Utes to a Pac-12 championship, which we'll talk about as we review our non-Football 10 pack, uh, honoring the 10th anniversary of Utah joining the Pac-12 
but he was the pitching coach at Mississippi State from 2016-2017. He became the interim coach for the Bulldogs for the 2018 season, led the program to the College World Series in what was a really dramatic uh, uh, fashion. Um, after they lost their opening game in the Tallahassee Regional, he led the Bulldogs to four straight wins to advance to the Super Regionals against Vanderbilt and Nashville. They advanced to the College World Series when they took down Vandy in three games, and the Bulldogs went on to win their first two games in Omaha before falling to eventual, eventual national champion Oregon State twice in the semifinals. That was uh, kind of the catalyst to his move. He wanted the head job and didn't get it. They went in a different direction. And so from there, uh, came out to the University of Utah. has been here for a little while. He was voted um, SEC Coach of the Year by his peers after the in the 2012 season um, where he was the head coach at the University of Kentucky. Uh, they won at least 30 games in five straight seasons for the first time in school history there. So Henderson has a really deep resume. I think as we break this down, and we'll talk about it more as we circle around a little bit, I think the interesting part about this move is that it was a obvious move to make, I think. I think all along when Henderson showed up out here that there was the opportunity for him to take over the program. He has deep ties to the South. Uh, that could be a good thing for the University of Utah, or it could not. Uh, it could go either way. If you're able to pick up, we've talked about it previously here on the podcast, that the big thing that the University of Utah is missing, and, and most college programs uh, have struggled with that all along, is, is pitching. And so that's an area of his expertise. Um, you know, When he was at Oregon State, he coached eight Beaver pitchers who were drafted by major league teams. Um, so he's got plenty of that resume on him. I think the big part about it is can he get talent to come play here at the University of Utah? I think that's the biggest reason why this hire was made. He is a guy who's in the program. He knows what can be what needs to be done. He knows what the challenges are behind it. I think until you really get some money flowing into that program, which would mean building a stadium and actually committing some facilities to the baseball program, which uh, – admittedly has been a very difficult proposition by no means the fault of the athletic department or anybody within it. When you had a perfect site set up, but the neighborhood says no and the city says no, your hands are a little bit tied, especially when you already have a practice field there. So the next side to that is finding a space where you can fit a baseball diamond on the campus of the university of Utah. It's not a campus that's exactly wide open at this point in time. If you've been up there recently, it's hard to even find green space anymore. There's so many buildings up there and it's also not a priority in terms of getting that thing built, but where you've now built facilities for ski team, golf team, basketball, football, you're working on gymnastics facilities. It's time. The softball team has their own beautiful stadium up there. I believe it's the Dumkey Family Center. Uh, it's time to get that ball rolling. And so the hope is that Henderson can take over, can work some of that same magic that he did while he was at Mississippi State, can get the pitching help that Utah needs so that they can make an impact in the Pac-12. Because this is a sport that can generate some excitement can generate some some fandom can generate some revenue they've done some really cool things with the marketing where you buy the hat for season tickets but they need a venue of their own and they need a place where fans can go and and where the team can practice and and all the above so 
most of all, congrats to Coach Henderson on getting the job. We're looking forward to seeing what he can do. He's got a good young roster with a lot of talent and some big bats. That should help them quite a bit. It will be fascinating to watch what he does in terms of recruiting and what kind of additions they make to the roster moving forward. Congratulations, Coach Henderson. We now have a new baseball coach. That's it for me for today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you, as always, for following along, for rating, for reviewing on Apple Podcasts. Remember, we are five stars only when you rate us. Uh, That's the only reason that I'm going to read your comments anymore. You can say that we don't record daily, and you're right, because we're in the offseason. So three episodes a week. We'll have another one dropping for you at the end of the week here where we'll talk a little bit about uh, whatever else is going on in Utah athletics and then begin counting down the top ten football moments and non-football moments of the Pac-12 era for the University of Utah as we count down the days to the start of the football season and Pac-12 media days and all that fun stuff that comes in the summer that just gets us geared up for football. And we'll have lots of fun football comment content come this fall as well. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast. We will talk to you again at the end of this week.